0: Do you like me? Do you like me? I like you much. No haggling. All right. I a, in sixth grade, contest with a kid, see who could eat the most amount of black licorice in a minute. By the end of it, it was coming out of my nose because I was laughing so hard, but I've never had black licorice since and don't want to. <laughs> it's like, that will cure you of your black licorice... Uh, Love, if that's what it is. Hey, I, uh, my name's Greg Boyd. I'm a teaching pastor here. Good to see all of you. Uh, if you're visiting for the first time, a special welcome to you. Really glad that you're here. Uh, I'm sitting because I choose to, not because I have to. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, check out this. Check out this. Uh, 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 yeah. Woo. Uh, and yesterday, no, two days ago, for the first time in the morning, I got out of bed, and I could actually stand up straight, and I actually went like this. Yeah. First thing in the morning. After that, the last six weeks it has been like this for about the first half hour, you know, where you're like, so hey, hallelujah. But, um, you know, I I just choose to sit. Uh, It's a little comfy on my bum bum. So I might get up and walk around if I so choose to, but it's not a matter of necessity. So we're doing this thing called Interfaces. We're looking at social media. And it uh, it is all about likes, dislikes, approvals, thumbs up. Uh, How many followers do you get? How many views do you get? How many swipes left did you get? How many tags, how many clicks, how many buzzers, how many beeps, how many whatever. And this is kind of the social currency uh, of, of the internet these days. Uh, in every culture, sociologists tell, you, tell us that there is a, a kind of a social currency that is at work. A social currency is simply, and sociologists say that it is intrinsic to human beings. You won't find a culture where this doesn't happen. Where the people agree upon a certain criteria or a certain good that they want to aspire towards. And then they, everyone is rated in terms of how well they are at getting that. In China, for centuries, it was one, one piece of social currency, something that got you some points, was that if you had very small feet, if you're a woman having very small feet. So they went to incredible lengths to keep people's feet very, very small. That was considered attractive. That was a, that was a social plus. Um, it varies from culture to culture, but every culture has it. What what, what marks you as being up there? Uh, what are the characteristics that, 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 that give you points, that make people uh, admire you? In social media, it's all about how many followers do you have, how many, how, how, many you know, how popular are you, how many retweets do you get, how many tags and buzzers and swipe lefts and all the rest. Back in the good old days, I, you know, I would write a book Send it off to the publisher. I wouldn't see it again for six months. They send it to me when it's in the galley proof form. I do it a final read throw, send it off. I don't see it again until it shows up in catalogs and on bookstores. That's how I like it. Because I like to write books and I don't like to sell them. Now, however, uh, and I love working with Fortress, they've been a great press, and they've now got a whole section that is devoted to media and helping authors get out there in the media and so this time around, it's not just enough, enough to write a book. Uh, they want to know uh, what are your platforms, what's your social reach, what are your networks, who do you know, how are you connected, how many followers do you have, how many views do you get, how many clicks do you get, how many downloads do you get, how have your books sold, huh? how are they doing, and, 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 and they, what kind of chat rooms have you got on that, and all this kind of stuff. And some of it was kind of fun to find out. Uh got War is like in his 30th printing, so that's that was cool to find out. Because I, like I don't pay attention to this, but now I suppose I have to. On the other hand, some things were kind of disappointing. Uh, I have a public Facebook. Turns out I haven't been on there for 18 months. Uh, (laughs) We're still advertising for a debate I did a year and a half ago. (laughs) Okay, that's not good. And then uh, um, uh, I I have an Instagram account that I used twice. Uh, And I forgot the password I've never been on since. Okay, so I'm not a genius when it comes to social media. But, but this is the kind of rating system, okay? And it's, it's, in fact, there's a coach they have now that will kind of coach you on, on how to get yourself out there and what to say and how to have, have the elevator speech. So I have a book coming out called Inspired Imperfection. It's on divine inspiration. And folks, this book will rock your world. Let me just tell you, what if all the so-called problems in the Bible, the errors and the contradictions and inaccuracies, what if those are actually assets to the divine authority of the Bible? Yes, folks, this book will open your eyes to see the revelatory truth. That the problems in the Bible aren't problems. The only problem is people think that there are problems. Go out and buy it. January 7th, coming to a store near you. How's that go? How, how, how do you do? woo you know, and that's fine. Look, it's fine when you have a business online. This is what you got to do. This is just how you market. And it's what people have always done when they want to market their books, or it's what distributors have done or publishers have done. But now with social media, we've always said this, it's an amplifier, it's a megaphone. And so now everything's intensified and the ante is up. And this criteria of popularity is, is um, why well, it's, it's, it's just the, 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 the main thing that determines your social worth. There's a, a social worth hierarchy game that every culture plays. Social worth hierarchy game. Where do you rate? And we have, though we don't know it, all of these things inside of us that are instantaneously associate things uh, as pluses and minuses. It reminds me of junior high. Honestly, remember junior high, going back a while? Oh, I hated junior high with a passion. But there, you know, they have their own social system, their own social uh, worth hierarchy system. And in junior high, it's primarily about who do you know and how are you, who you're connected with and whose party to get invited to and who do you go out with and who do you sit with at lunch. And God help you, if you get lunch and you look around and there's no one that you could sit next to, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say, why are you sitting with us? Because now that means you're gonna have to sit alone and that means you have no social worth right? You don't rate at all. You don't have any pings on, on your thing. It's a disaster. It's apocalyptic. And what we have now really is simply a bigger version of that. It's a, the a social hierarchy network game. You see, the, and the thing is now, it's not just authors who have to worry about the public or the audience and how do you rate and how, you know, do they like me and how do I get more popular. Now we all have an audience. That's what social media does. It gives us all this megaphone Everyone can be a superstar. You can make a splash. You can make a hit. Once in a while, you hear about these people who just put up a little song that they wrote, and then Nashville got a hold of it, and now they're superstars. That could be you. Just think about it. If you just work the system right. Social worth, hierarchy game. Play it. Get to the top. See, here's the thing. As we've said from the beginning in this series, there's this principle of proportionality, and it's really, really important to keep in mind. Everything... And everyone has X amount of potential for good and therefore has X amount of potential for evil. You can't have the one without having the other. It's the risk that's built into a world that has free agents. Principle of proportionality. And it's important because we human beings in our fallen condition tend to always look at the positives that something can bring us and don't sufficiently pay attention to the negatives that it might bring us. The, the unintended consequences. History of human species is doing this, looking at the positive going forward and not anticipating the negatives. And so the social media gives us a a tremendous good. You can share aspects of your life with people who care much more easily, much more readily, and much more extensively than you ever could before. That's a good thing. You can stay connected. It's wonderful. And it can be a great kingdom good. If We uh, take this, and and, and in fact, we right now have a team of people that are, 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 are working on this asking the question, how can we use social media and all of its different venues to further mobilize and resource this movement that God's raising up around the the world that we're a part of? Um, And we'll be saying more about that as it comes. But we want to celebrate and maximize all of the potential for good and do that aggressively. But at the same time, like Paul said, we saw this two weeks ago, that we're not to be ignorant of Satan's schemes, of Satan's devices. We're not to there's a scheming enemy against us, and, and whatever God intends for evil, he will use, try to use for, 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 for evil. Whatever God intends for good, God, he will tend to use for evil, and vice versa. So we've got to be aware of this downside, and one potential downside of this megaphone that we've been ha- handed is, is, is precisely that it, it, it ups everyone's voice, it gives us all an audience, and that's great to share with, but there is, whenever there's an audience involved, A pull to present, a pull to perform, a pull to play the social hierarchy network game. Whenever there's an audience, every preacher will tell you. When when, when I step on stage here, there is a pull that I have to resist. And the pull is to present what I know you would probably affirm of. Um, There's a pull there to, to give you what you want. And maybe to hold back on things that maybe would challenge you a little bit or might offend you, might may, make may you want to go, go away. Because see, in the, in the world of, of, of American church planning anyways, and American church growth, uh, well, there are the, the, the social points are given to people who have the biggest church and the brightest church and the most money church, bringing the most money or whatever. You get points for that. And the people who have the bigger churches and bigger offering and all that kind of stuff, multi-campuses, well, they dare just give more respect and their words count more. And see, they're higher up on the social word hierarchy ladder. If you don't do that, well, then you're lower down, and there's a pressure to play that game. And I've always committed to resisting that, to being honest and truthful, but that pressure is there, and now we all have that, because you all have an audience. There's a subtle downside, a subtle pull towards performance. It, it's, 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 it, 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 it's like this, even in everyday life, with the audience that you have on your day-to-day life, you, if you're serious about living authentically, you... you it's a choice you have to make to, to be honest, to have congruity that your outer self and inner self are in line with one another, that you're not pretending, you're not putting on, you're not faking it. In our ordinary life, most of us struggle to some degree with that, and some fall into that and it becomes idolatry, and they're always trying to impress people. But we all have to struggle with that. And now that you have a megaphone, all that gets intensified. The megaphone makes the better better and the bad badder. Um, and and it, it just goes, it, it, so we just have to know that as we enter into this megaphone territory. So if you, with, if you struggle with a performance presentation, being totally honest thing, if you struggle with that in every day-to-day life with your audience of 20 or however many people you interact with, how much more intense is that pressure when you are, your audience is 200? Maybe you have 200 followers or 2,000. Or maybe you're one of these really good people who can climb that social ladder of hierarchy and you're up there at... At 20,000, who knows? But see, the pressure increases exponentially. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves playing this social worth hierarchy game and assuming a false self. Now, to see why this is so important, I want us to just take a look at what Paul says about the true self and the false self in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, 23 and 24. He says, You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Remember that phrase. It's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And be made new in in the attitude of your minds. And to put on that new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Put off all falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one another. All right, so... He talks about this old self. The old self is simply you without Christ. It's you before Christ. It's you as you would be if, if, if you didn't have Christ. That's the old self living in this kind of old world. And that old self, um, that was the, the part of you that, that um, thought that. You, you, you're being corrupted by your uh, deceptive desires. That phrase there means that what you desired was deceptive. You desired something deceptive. You thought it was going to bring you good, but actually it corrupts you. That's what the phrase means. You're corrupted by deceptive desires. So the things we think we desire are really things that we don't desire. We just think we do. We think it's good for us, but actually it's not. And so that old self of yours was the self that played the social worth hierarchy game. And, And you thought that there was life, and you get fullness of life, and you feel good about yourself, and life would be worth living, and finally you'd be content, if only... If only you could get a little bit more of that applause, a little bit more of those accolades, a little more pats on the back, a, little bit, a, few more re, a few more retweets, a lot more looks, a lot more followers, a lot more likes, if you could just get enough of that and get enough of wealth, maybe get enough power, get enough whatever, then you'd be happy. But at some point, the Holy Spirit got through to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit must have got through to you because at some point you realize that you were deceived, that this is not what you really want. And all those idols out there, they promise fulfillment and they look so good and they look so tasty and people just spend their life chasing them. But when you get them, they never really fulfill. And they always eventually let you down. They can give you a little buzz for a little while and that's nice. And maybe you caught a good good, good wave and you're going to ride it for a whole decade. It, it, that may happen. But sooner or later, somebody give him amen. Those things let you down and they never fulfill. They leave you empty. And at some point you realize that. And at some point you realize that what you hunger for, what your heart hungers for, is actually that is offered in Jesus Christ. You want worth. You want value. Of course you need that. We all do. You want your life to count. You want to be significant. You want to be loved. You want to be secure and that. Everybody longs for that. But it's not going to be found out there in the number of tweets you get or the number of likes you get or how many people are following you. It won't get out there in the number of cars that you own or how nice a house you have or how you, impressive you are to others. That stuff will leave you empty. It will give you a buzz for a moment when you first get it, and then it dies off. What your heart is hungry for and what everyone's heart is hungry for is Jesus Christ. Amen? It's, it's the love of God, the life of God that's offered in Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and uh, it's everybody that bully on the playground and the bully in the office. They're, they're, they're looking for worth. They're just trying to find some worth, trying to find some value trying to find something to make them feel good about themselves, the person who cheats on their wife or the person who rips off their neighbor. uh, They're they're, they're hungry for Jesus. Uh, The the person who medicates their pain with drugs or medicates their pain with alcohol or medicates their pain with too much TV or with sex or with chocolate or whatever, they're hungry for Jesus. Uh, They don't know that because they're under a deception. They think if only they had enough chocolate or enough sex, then their life would be full. And for a short buzz, that may feel like that, but it never lasts. It never satisfies Everybody's hungry for Jesus. That, that suburbanite family out there that's living in deep stress because they're pursuing the American dream way over what they can afford. They're searching for Jesus. And the prostitute on the streets searching for Jesus, and the billionaire looking for that next billion dollars, he's looking for Jesus. And the poor person scratching off the 50th jackpot ticket, he's looking for Jesus. The hunger in the human heart is a hunger that has a God shape in it because your creator created you with that hunger. And as St. Augustine said, your heart will never find rest. You'll never find peace. You'll never find wholeness until you find your rest in him. Amen? Amen. That's a, you, you have found the pearl of great price. The Bible calls, calls him the treasure, the pearl of great price. You found the wellspring of, of life that we just got through singing about. You found the thing that the heart has been clamoring for. And, and so now the need, see, now that you have this, this uh, fullness of life, if you tap into that fullness of life that you get for free from Christ, it frees you now to be able to put off all falsehood and to speak the truth. And the word truth in Greek, aletheia, it just means uncovered. To be uncovered, to be real, in other words. It empowers you to do that, and here's why. Because every element of a falsehood in our life is there as a strategy for getting false life. Every element of pretense, every element of show, putting yourself forward better than you actually are, we do that because we're hungry. We want something. Uh, and, and, and we figure out how to get it. And so we put out what, hey, you know what? I'm up here with you guys. You guys want holy? I'll give you holy, all right? You, you want funny? I can give you funny, huh? You want, you, you want, you want insightful? I'll try to give you insightful. You, you know you, I can play that game, the social hierarchy game. And, and, and it's, we're all pulled in that direction. And so... We put out this false self. You want funny? I'll be funny, Greg. But that means I got to hide all sorrowful, Greg. You want holy? Well, then I'll put out holy, Greg. But that means I got to hide all the sinful, Greg. And so we create this du- duplicity between our per- public persona and our private persona. And that's destructive in all sorts of kind of ways. We hide. But when you find real life and all your worth, when you, when you finally get, not just intellectually, but when you, when you, when you get in the core of your soul that. Your worth is unsurpassable and it was established on Calvary and it cannot be improved upon and it cannot be detracted from. When you get that revelation, I mean, when it really gets in your heart, you've got no interest in how many likes you're going to get or how much applause you're going to get or how much recognition you're going to get or or how many retweets you're going to get or whatever. What could that add to what you've already got? That may make you feel good on some level, whatever, that someone likes you, whatever, but the core of who you are is established on Calvary. The essence of who you are, your social worth... Forget your social worth. You've got God worth. What do you need social worth for? Amen? Amen. You're freed from that. And that's the very definition of freedom. Bondage is chasing the social work hierarchy game. Freedom is being free from that game. All your worth from Christ. And now you're free to enter into things not out of an emptiness trying to get and having to perform and out to project, but rather you you come in as you are, honestly. But because you're full, now you can overflow towards others. So this is your true self. The true self, your true self. If you're a follower of Jesus, your true self is the self that knows that all of your worth is settled forever on Calvary. But now Paul says, we saw this, put off that old self. you got to put it off. Now that implies two things. It means, number one, your old self is still hanging around. And number two, it's your job to put it off. Think about it. See, when you surrender to Christ, your status instantly changes. When you surrender to Christ, you are transported, Paul says, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. So your status has changed. And when you surrender your life to Christ, your nature has changed because you're fused with Jesus Christ. You're put in Jesus Christ. And all that is his by nature is given to you by grace. So you really are, in your core, holy and blameless and spotless, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But what does not instantly change is your brain. What does not instantly change is all the habits of your old self, your old way of doing life, your old way of thinking about things, thinking about God, thinking about yourself, thinking about others, your old way of performing. That goes on the same autopilot it ever has it's up to you then to change that. Now, sometimes people say, well, gosh, if God's going to save us and give us a new status and give us a new nature, why doesn't he just take this attitude from me? Why doesn't he just take this habit from me? Why doesn't he just free me from this? And once in a while, I hear about a supernatural miracle where someone is instantly freed from something. So you think, well, why not me? Well, there's a lot of reasons I could give for that, but what I want to give right now is this. God doesn't want to take that from you because God doesn't want to do everything for you. Dan talked about this a couple weeks ago. God doesn't, God doesn't want to do everything for you. Um, no, if, if there comes a point where God wants you to grow up and start to flex a muscle that he gave you to, 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 to flex. Now, you, it's true, you can't do anything without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely true. And so it's not by our own effort, it's by God's grace that we do anything. But it's also equally true and equally important that the Holy Spirit isn't going to do everything for you. Because see. God doesn't want a bride who simply is there to, to say, hey, you move my arms and feet for me. He doesn't want a little puppet bride. He wants a bride with personality, and that's the corporate bride of Christ. That's us. He wants a bride who's got say-so, a bride who's got authority. In fact, a bride who ultimately is going to take back from the devil all that he stole from God. And the place to start taking things back is between your ears with the three and a half pounds of noodles that God gave you. You've got your brain. You've got your will. It's up to you to bring that into conformity with Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 He's not going to do it for you. If you're waiting on God to take that away from you, you may be waiting a very long time. What you need to do is ask the question, what can you do about this? And then maybe who can you help? Invite others in on this process because everything in the kingdom works better when it's done out of relationship. So Paul tells us, you and me, tells us to, uh, you take every thought captive to Christ. You put off the old self. You put on the new self. You be transformed by the attitude of your mind. Uh, you make sure that you're no longer transformed uh, to the image of this world, the scheme of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, you are to be the one to choose your true self as opposed to the false self. You have to be the one to choose to, put, to push back against the pressure to be pulled towards this false self. There's things that are really up to us. We've really got to say so. God honors with that, and that means we've really got to use it. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's not going to make us do that. And when we find our worth in Christ, this is the true you, Kingdom 101, you find all your worth in Christ, your significance, your value, then that means you're free to put off all falsehood, all pretense. You're able to speak the truth and live the truth. And this is Kingdom 101. This is what our job is. So now in light of this fundamental kingdom call about manifesting the true self, not falling back into this old self, let's return again to social media. Social media is just a megaphone. A megaphone. It makes the good gooder and the bad badder. So here's the thing. All of us naturally feel a little bit of social pressure. If you're at all psychologically healthy, you feel a little bit of social pressure all the time to present. And that is, I think, pretty normal. Uh, we, you probably put your game face on before you came to church today. Right? I don't know how long it took you, but there's things you do. You brush your teeth, right? You, you get the gunk out of your eyes. You do something with your hair. You you You, you, you present. Right? then, that's not bad, is it? I don't want to get up here and look my scuzziest. Yeah, I want to look halfway decent. Um, And you can be thankful for that. You know, I'm doing it for your sake. It's it's, it's good on your eyes. Although, there's a limit to that. One lady told me about 25 years ago, why can't you just wear a tie? We have to look at you for the whole time you're preaching. It would be easier if you had a tie. And for God's sake, take off those tennis shoes. I don't know what this lady would say to me now, but I don't have any shoes. Uh, But yeah, they ended up leaving the church because I wouldn't— they're a bigger, well, never mind. Okay, so uh, you got to be willing to say bye-bye sometimes, you know. It's, uh, so social media is just a megaphone. It, it augments what is already there for better or for worse. So we all have this a little bit of social pressure. To, to, and when you meet somebody, you know, it's never, hi. Well, it shouldn't be. It's like, hi! When we do that, it's, it's like, oh, I to see you. And it's social propriety. I've been lying the last six weeks. People say, how you doing? I go, fine. I'm lying. My back's killing me. But... They don't want to know the truth. It's just a social propriety thing. But here's the thing. What happens now when you have an audience? The eyes of the world are watching. What happens to your, that, 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 that pressure, like everything else that social media does, it gets augmented. It gets intensified. The more folks that are watching, the more the ante is up. It amplifies it. Now you've got an audience, and that audience rates you. This is the likes and dislikes things. The tribunal of judges is always out there to say whether they approve or disapprove of you. And the minute that gets a little hook in you, you are playing the the social worth hierarchy game. How can I increase my social worth? It amps it up. So social media, take this as an example. Once you get your game face on, you go out there. People get one take at you. When they look at you, what they see is what they get, right? Uh, you, you present yourself, and maybe you're not imperfect. The wind blew your hair off. But it, there's no do-overs. In the real world, life happens at the speed of life. People see you, and they, what they see is what they get. That's normal. That's how it's supposed to happen. Enter social media. Everything gets amped up. Now the pressure is there. And, and all of a sudden, you, you want to take five minutes, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. I have no idea how long people actually go on this thing. But to find the exact right, perfect picture to put up. You have all these pictures, which one is the best? And you can twirl over that. Now, if you did that in real life, it would never work. You see someone looking at you and you go, oh, wait, 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 but don't look at me. Hey, hang on. I got to get in my, 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 give me five minutes to give self care. Okay, now you can look at me. It wouldn't work that way. Once you're out there, you're out there. What they see, what you see is what you get. But on social media, it's different. Now, it could be legitimate. You, you, you just genuinely care about your loved ones and you want to make sure that they get the picture that best captures the spirit of the moment. That could be legit. It takes you 15 minutes to figure that out. Wonderful. But it's possible, and we have to be open to this, it's possible that there's more going on there. It's possible that you're starting to feel the pressure of the social rating system. It's possible you're starting to play the social worth hierarchy game. You want to present better than it actually is. You want to have a wow factor. You want to impress. It could be that you're starting to get hooked. And the temptation doesn't stop there. Because we now, thanks to modern technology, we have on our own phones a virtual photography studio. Good night. You can, you can doctor your photos up. You can improve them. Why deal with reality when you can deal with better than reality? And, and it starts innocent enough. It starts off with, I just wanted to capture like how good it would have been if the sun had been shining. I just wanted to capture the full color of the leaves on that day. And they just happened to be so spectacular that it would be, no, be worthy of a cover of National Geographic. you know. So the, all these augmented colors. Just trying to capture you know, the feel of it. But if you're not careful, I like can go further than that. I just want... Well, oh, that would have been such a great day if only I hadn't had my acne that day. I can kind of doctor that up. Well, if only that rash hadn't come, I could have doctored that up. I, I, I just want to capture what it would look like if I really had stuck to that that, that exercise program I was going to do. I would have looked like this. I can just kind of doctor that up a little bit. Uh, if, if you know, what would it look like if I only had a little bit more hair, or the hair wasn't so gray, or if only I was ten years younger? So you have photos. Why not at this point just Photoshop a ten-year-old version of yourself and call it you? I mean, who are you kidding? But see, you get pulled into this, and, and, and it's, it's a spin thing. And you're trying to climb the hierarchy of social network, and it's not just about photos at all. It's about our whole presentation, our whole presence on social media. Are we getting hooked? Are we being honest? Are we being real? Or are we, in fact, getting hooked into the game of climbing the social network? Uh, uh, network? And see, the here thing is, once you start playing that game, you, you participate in that social hierarchy network game, uh, you're going to feel the pain of it because you put up your best, right? All your best pictures. Well, guess what? Everyone else is putting up their best. When you, when you get on social media, what you're seeing, unless there's a site that's intentionally doing otherwise, what you're getting is the best of. Go to our website, get the best of the boys. I assume I haven't been on it, but Shelly uh, has, has, I'm told we have a website or a Facebook or, don't we have a Facebook? I don't know. I don't even know if I have a, I, I, I have a personal one, but I don't know if I have a family Facebook. I think we do. Anyways, obviously, don't do Facebook. It's too confusing. I get on there, it's like, ah, what is all that? Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's too, 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 too messy. But everyone's putting up true pictures of themselves, but they're the best pictures of themselves. And that itself creates an illusion. It's a fabrication. Because the truth is, no one's life is actually consistently as wonderful as it's presented on social media. But you never know that getting on social media. And so what can happen is that, Join the pain of the whole thing where you discover the truth that behind all those smiling faces there, there's a lot of sad faces. And they're sad, partly because they're lonely because no one knows who they really are because they're so busy presenting this this, this pseudo niceness, wonderful happiness on, on, on social media. But they're also in misery, some of them, because... They don't measure up to all the wonderful lives that everyone else has. How come everyone else is always, so oh, happy, 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 mine sucks. Now, you put up the best moments, so yours looks happy, happy, happy. So everyone else is wondering why their life sucks. So everyone's life sucks while everyone's pretending that's happy, happy, happy. Welcome to the wonderful world of the internet. It's not that bad, but it, it, it can go in that, 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 that d- direction. You find yourself in, in a, good, a, a good indication that you have fallen into the wonderful, wild world of people, chasing false forms of life by putting on false selves to get that life. You'll know you've entered that when you start to be compulsive, obsessed with, how am I doing? How does it look? How does it present? What are they thinking? Who likes? How many retweets? How many followers? How many views? How come someone didn't do that? Why didn't they like that one? If you fall into that world, chances are you are being caught. So there's three questions I want us to, 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 to look at. I'm going to end with three questions to ask ourselves about social media to see if, in fact, we've been caught in this game and what we can do to get out of it. Number one, and this is the question that we ask all the time around here at Woodland Church, we're not embarrassed by being redundant on this because it's foundational to everything. Number one, are you getting all your life from Christ? And by life, we mean core needs. Core needs are need for significance, need to feel worth, need to feel like you matter, need to feel like you're not alone, that you're loved, need to feel secure. At a core level, everyone desperately needs that. And Jesus Christ... Is the only one who can really meet that need. Are you spending time letting him fill you up? Because this is, you you won't be able to put off that false self until you're drinking fully of this true self. It's so foundational because to the degree that you're walking around and empty because you're not getting all your life and worth from from what God thinks about you, to that degree you're going to have to be getting it from playing the social hierarchy network game. And maybe it's not on the internet, maybe your gig is something else, but you're going to be trying to get life from somewhere because that's a non-negotiable. So one way to ask yourself this question is, do you, in fact, get life from from other things? Are are, are certain things too important to you? People's opinion too important to you? Uh, Compliments too important to you? Look at that kind of thing. And if you find that, in fact, you're chasing after the retweets and the applause and the approval and the credit, all that, if, in fact, you're doing that, don't get mad at yourself. Don't don't beat yourself up with what a lousy person you are, because that's just going to further you. Create a pain that's going to try to drive you to medicate it by getting enough social approval. No, don't get mad. Just turn to the true social life. Let it remind you. Oh, that's right. I don't need to be chasing the stupid cheese on a treadmill with mouse crazy. No, I don't need to be doing that rat race. I opt out of this. I I find all my life in Christ. Ask yourself a good question. Honestly, are you you tapping into that? Um, Do you worry too much about what others think? Uh, Are you always looking at yourself through the eyes of others? If that's the case, you're making yourself really miserable and you don't have to. Get all your life and worth and significance from Jesus Christ. And you still like it when people like you, but you don't need it because you're free. And that freedom is so all-important. Now, people connect to God in a lot of different ways and you kind of have to you know, forge your way and find out what works for you, what doesn't. You find something that works, be going with it. Uh, if you don't, haven't found something that works, then, then keep on searching. We got some resources out there and we talk about that here quite a bit. One, one, one strategy that I always recommend people try, at least, and, and that's using the, the imagination, where you, you enter into imaginative prayer. And there's a long church tradition on this called cataphatic prayer, but it's where you just sit and, and you, you ask the Spirit to help you envision Jesus Christ and to bring you to the real Jesus Christ and here you hear Jesus and see Jesus and experience Jesus say to you and do to you all the things that he said about you in Scripture, but now it's concrete and personal and incarnational and experiential. I encourage you to pursue that. I have a book out there called Seeing is Believing if you want to find out more about how to do that. But whatever means you do it, regularly carve out time to be getting life from Christ because that's the fuel that the kingdom runs on. You are as free to the degree that that is true true of you. You are in bondage to the degree that that is not true of you. So make it a high priority to have that time where you're drinking deeply from the wellspring of fullness of life that comes from Jesus Christ. Question number two. It sounds like a weird question, but it's so important. Are you the same wherever you go? One mark of a, of a false self is that it changes. That false self is trying to get that kind of approval, that attention, that whatever it is that you're looking for. Well, since crowds differ in terms of what the criteria are, to the degree that you're living a false self, you will change to the degree that you're indifferent. Uh, crowds. Have you met people who are kind of chameleons? When we're this crowd, they're exactly like that crowd. When we're this crowd, they're exactly like that crowd. Because they don't have a core, a center. And so their full self is pretty much their whole self. And so it changes all the time. Ask the question, are you the same all over? And and, and, and in particular, are you the same online as you are offline? Are you the same person? Um, There's there's a a preacher that I knew. In fact, I, I still know him. And He's a pretty well-known public speaker, and he's really good. He's energetic. He's funny. He's insightful. He's passionate. All things that we get to see, he speaks all over the place. But people who know him, like the ones who have to drive him around wherever he goes, places, you know, and stuff, and have to kind of wait on him, um, well, it's pretty common knowledge that this guy, when he's not on stage, he's a jerk. Uh, there's a world of difference between his persona on stage and his persona off stage. Now, what's happened there is I submit to you that he's simply given into the pull, the pull of the audience. He's given him that temptation that I talked about earlier. He knows what audiences want, and he knows how to deliver it. He's he's good at that, and I think he's so used to this that he doesn't even notice the disconnect between his persona on stage and his persona off stage. I've wondered sometimes, aren't there people close to him enough to tell him kind of like what everyone else sees? But I don't know what's going on there, but there's this discrepancy. And to the degree that we buy into this audience, we buy into that false way of getting life, we're going to find that there's going to be this discrepancy. Paul said this. He goes, Our lives are living epistles. They're, they're, they're like God's message boards. We're God's advertisements. Known and read of people. And that's, that's how Paul puts it. You're, you're, most people don't read the Bible, you're their Bible. And, and so Paul says, Take great care that, what, that as you conduct yourself, you're always conveying the truth that you're an ambassador of Christ. You're always conveying that there's a different kingdom. Um, this is our, our primary call. We're called to be these ambassadors. You're stationed behind enemy lines. So we ask the question, when you're online, does that get conveyed? The photos you put of yourself, it, it, does, it, does it convey that you're a kingdom person? Um, or does it communicate something else? Because often, the photos we put online, if we're operating out of a false self and we're climbing that, 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 that social hierarchy, our photos will be in congruity with what the expectations are of the crowd. crowd wants to see skin, you give them skin. But if you're a kingdom ambassador, I would think there'd be a more important criteria than the crowd, all right? So just be aware of that. Um, but I, I, it applies to every year of our life. I mean, whether we're online or not. Are you the same wherever you are? Um, are you rightly related to people online? Social media, it's, it intensifies the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what's true is already there. We are who we are. But now with a megaphone, it gets amplified and the stakes get higher. So it's all the more important for us to be asking the question, are we consistent with who we are online as, as, as we are offline? Um, and then the third question I want to ask then is this. Is your online self righteous? And the word righteous means right-related. Paul said in that passage we looked at that, that in Christ, our true self has true holiness and true righteousness. Righteousness is about our right-relatedness with God, ourselves, and others. To be righteous is to be right-related. And if, if you are, in fact, rightly related to God, self, and others, you will be holy. You're going to be—the word there just means set apart. You're going to be dis- different from, distinct from. And so, so the question we've got to ask is, are we rightly related? Does our online—when we're online, does it reflect our right-relatedness with God, with others, and with ourselves? But I especially want to ask this question— is our online self rightly related to others offline? Is our, is our online self rightly related to people that we have relationships with? The real people in our life. The people that are closest to us. Listen to what John says. I'd never noticed this verse until this last week. Because we're doing this series here and it just caught my attention. John says this. He goes, I've got a lot more things to tell you, but I'd rather not use paper and ink. I don't want to use a medium here. I hope to be there soon in person and have a heart-to-heart talk. That will be far more satisfying to both you and me. So paper and ink was the state of the art. That was technology. That was social media back in the first century, although it really wasn't paper and ink. It was more like papyri and, 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 and plant juice, but, but whatever. So that, that was the state of the art. But John says, okay, I, I, I'm writing to you to give you this information, but I got some things I want to talk about, but I don't, I can't. I, I don't want to do it through writing. I don't want to do it through writing. This has got to be face-to-face. And what it tells us, folks, is that some things, some topics, you've got to discuss face-to-face. I've hit that wall a number of times on email. Okay, email's not cutting it. We, we've got to sit down. There's some things that can only be talked about face-to-face, and there's some relationships, get this, lock this in, that can only be sustained face-to-face, uh, where a medium won't do. You, know, you have to have medium sometimes when you're out of town, you've got to call with it. But things can happen face-to-face that can't happen any other way. Face-to-face is our primary communic- mode of communication. In fact, up until 120 years ago or so, it was our only mode of communication. You talked face-to-face or you didn't talk. Um, now that we've got this world of social media where everything can be mediated, but we've got to be so careful that we don't forget that the importance of the face-to-face. And when it comes to the c- people who are closest to us, we have to reflect the importance that they have to us precisely by our willingness... To be committed to having face-to-face time with them. We, this is the first, we're, we're the, the, the first generation where not only do we have mediated relationships, but where mediated relationships are beginning to replace real-life relationships. As kingdom people, this has got to be of great concern to us. Um, couples, I want to call on you. Husbands and wives, I want to call on you to carve out. If that relationship that you have with this person is important to you, you carve out non-negotiable, face-to-face time. That means you carve out unplugged time where everything else is off and you two are together. Because part of what you're doing there is you're saying, yeah, you know, the social media, it's so great. It can bring us the news and bring us great entertainment and bring us, you know, all this kind of wonderful stuff, but you're more important than that. That's where you're communicating by turning off that phone. I think when you're talking with somebody and a phone goes on and they answer that phone, they're just saying, hey, this is more important than you. Uh, we communicate by what we do and what we don't do. And, and families, I encourage you, really look into this. Here's the challenge is that social media is always more interesting than you or me. Social media, we're boring people, our lives are mundane, we're pretty repetitious, right? None of us, say, it's not all that exciting. Um, but social media gives you the best of the best of the best of everything instantly. All those cool games and pool. It's always more interesting. See, if we just let that have free reign, what we're saying is what's most interesting is what matters the most. So boom, give, give all your face-to-face time for this most more interesting stuff. But as kingdom people, we know that interesting is fine. That's wonderful. It's good. All that information is great. All that news is great. All the sports, all the game, wonderful. But it's not the most important thing. This is the most important thing. You here now. And so there's got to be time where you carve out space for families just to hang together, which is what families used to always do all the time. But you've, now you've got to carve it out. And one of the things you've got to know is that the, the whole system now of social currency, this liking, not liking, all that social hierarchy stuff, it's coming after you. It presses in on us. You have to make the decision to push back on it. Your default will be it will swallow you. It, it, it's too strong. It's coming at us. You have to make this commitment, and I encourage you. Everything in the kingdom works better when done in relationship with others. Uh, do this in community with others. Together, make this commitment. And explain to the kids and stuff why you're doing this. You don't want just to just be a killjoy, like, okay, we're going to limit our time on the Internet now by having, sitting in a room and looking at each other. You've you got to replace it with something fun and use God's wisdom and stuff. And it's the same thing applies for friendships and for, and for any, any really true community. Show the worth of that community, that friendship, that family, and that spouse. Show their worth by unplugging and having face-to-face time. There, there, nothing can replace face-to-face time. I, and by the, time, by the way, when I say FaceTime, I don't mean FaceTime. <laughs> it just occurred to me. FaceTime is the word where you get the, yeah, that's great when you're out of town. And that's the next best thing. But it's not close to actual face-to-face contact time. So, Three questions. Are you getting your life regularly from Christ? Uh, you can't coast on this. It has to be a staple of your relationship where you drink deeply from that well. I would, I, I'm not in I'm not giving rules because everyone's life's a little differently, but one, once, an hour a week would not be at all too much to say pour into that. Two hours a week would be fine. Five hours would be better. I mean, it, it, spend time hanging out with your Savior, drinking of the life that he wants to give to you. Uh, number two, are you the same wherever you are? are? Is there congruity? And here you have to be honest because see, we're so we, we can so easily assume a pseudo public self that we forget it's a pseudo public self, and we, we don't even know it. It's just part of our ordinary. So ask those spirit to make, help you get honest. Are you honest? Are you? Do you? Are, are are people offline and 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 online? Are their opinions too important to you? Do you worry about that? Are you playing the social hierarchy worth game? And I encourage you opt out. It's a pathetic game. It's a loser game. It's it's a junior high game. It, 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 you don't need it. Find all your worth in Christ and let go of that. Um, are you the same consistent throughout? And then finally, um, are you? What was the third question I had? Oh yeah, is your online self righteous? Are you rightly related? And especially, are you rightly re, right, related to the real people in your life? the ones that you have most responsibility for, that you care most about. I just encourage you to submit that to God. And I encourage you to talk it over with others because everything in the kingdom goes better when it's done in relationship with others. Amen? Would you stand? Uh, I would like to ask the prayer teams to come forward here. And if you're here this morning and have any need that could use prayer, maybe it's about this issue, maybe it's about something entirely different, but come up here and talk with these folks. They'd love to uh, minister to you. And if you're here this morning and you're not a surrendered follower of Jesus, I encourage you to consider becoming one. And if you come up here, these folks would love to explain to you what that's all about. So as we leave here, folks, can we do it as the people who are, who are committed to A, getting all your life from Christ, being the same wherever you are, and uh, whatever that third one was. So what was my third one? Uh, yes, and being righteous, being rightly related. How do I expect you to remember my sermons when I can't even remember them? God bless you guys. Go all love your neighbors.